Why does it feel like you're rooting for failure? Welcome to Tech Tales. I'm Corbin Davenport. And I'm Cody Toombs. And today we are continuing the story of Internet Explorer, where we've made it to 2010. <laughs> <laughs> the saga somehow continues. We're not... Yeah, there's there's still a few more years left of this, unfortunately. So, yeah, we're in, we're in 2010 now, um, which is... Around the time Internet Explorer had another round of scrutiny for its security problems. So there was a fun thing that happened um, around January 2010, which was that uh, Google, this was when Google still had a presence in China, which didn't last for much longer after this, but they were getting like, um, uh, like cyber attacked, basically. Uh, they were dealing with coordinated attacks on uh, Gmail, and Microsoft later confirmed that those attacks were happening because of a security vulnerability in Internet Explorer that allowed remote code execution. So that's cool. I don't know that cool is the word I would go with, but... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Following those attacks, Germany's Federal Office for Information Security officially started asking German citizens to stop using Internet Explorer 6, 7, and 8 until a fix could be found. I found that because I was uh, doing a search for uh, Internet Explorer in Germany, and I found this, which was a completely unrelated incident to the one I was trying to look for, which is the other time Germany asked <laughs> their people to stop using IE. <laughs> this happened multiple times. There's a certain level where you can imagine them kind of being like, okay, we know we told you this last time, but for realsies, please don't use this. You guys aren't really picking up what we're putting down here. <laughs> I mean, this is kind of that classic, like, IT infrastructure issue where the IT guy goes around and tells everyone, okay, now you need to use strong passwords and you need to do this. You need to do that and don't install this thing. And yet everyone keeps doing it. And so they go around a second time and it's like, okay, so f the, we get it. We get it. It's hard to change, but for real, like you're going to get fired if you don't. So in the last episode, we talked about how Internet Explorer 8 was released. And pretty soon after that, Microsoft started working on IE9, which is what you would expect. But what was a little bit unexpected is that it had a different development cycle than previous versions. So in March 2010, Microsoft released the first Internet Explorer 9 platform preview, which allowed people to test drive the new browser while still keeping IE8 on their computer like normal, and they could provide feedback to Microsoft during the preview period. New preview releases came out about once every eight weeks leading up to the browser's final version, which eventually came out in March of 2011. This was a more open approach than Microsoft did with IE8 in previous versions, where usually they would release a beta, but it was when the browser was pretty much done, so they weren't really going to add any more features or fix any broken web standard support after that point. It was just polish and bug fixes. This time they're giving people a much earlier look and much earlier opportunity for feedback. Later that year, in October of 2010, Microsoft released Windows Phone 7, which was a complete reboot of Microsoft's mobile operating system, 
and also had a much needed overhaul of Internet Explorer Mobile. So we talked about, I don't know if it was in the last episode, but we already talked about how Internet Explorer Mobile 6 was horrific, barely worked. Uh, It was worse than most of the other web browsers on Windows Mobile. While also coming out later. Yes. Now it's it's much better. It's still not like super amazing, but alongside Windows Phone, there is a huge overhaul to the web browser. Internet Explorer on Windows Phone 7 used code from the desktop versions of Internet Explorer 8 and 7. So it was it was still this weird hybrid thing, but that is better than the last version, which was a mix of IE6 and 7 code. Setting the lowest bar possible, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. The interface was updated to match the more modern look of Windows Phone with full support for multi-touch gestures like pinch to zoom. However, it did not have HTML5 video support at launch, which was kind of interesting. Well, if I remember correctly, multi-touch in Windows Mobile, it was pretty... Like, it didn't even exist, technically, for most of the history of Windows Mobile. But I think they only kind of hacked it in, in, like, the last official version of Windows Mobile that came out. So the original release of IE6 Mobile would not have come out when multi-touch was even part of the platform, I think. I'm not quite sure about those years overlapping, but... Yeah, yeah, it was just a symptom of of Microsoft being slow to add features that were on competitors by that point. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, they were already forward-looking with Windows Phone 7. Well, I say forward-looking, but, you know, they, they were looking towards... The platform that they were they'd already been working on for a few years and weren't super worried about the old platform that they were very much planning to abandon. So it makes sense. I'm not saying it was the best outcome or the best way to approach it, but hey, it makes sense. Yeah. So now we're going to watch a video demo of the web browser on Windows Phone 7. And This one, sadly, is not as funny as the last demo. It actually works pretty well. (laughs) Why does it feel like you're rooting for failure? (laughs) Well, I don't know. I was just really entertained by that last one. Uh, That's (laughs) sort of living rent-free in my mind, the video of a YouTube page running at one frame per second. All right, you ready? Uh, Yes. Okay. Hit play on three, two... One, go. Hey guys, it's Brandon Miniman from PocketNow.com, and this is an exclusive look at the web browsing experience on Windows Phone 7. We're going to compare it to the iPhone 4 and to the Google Nexus 1 running Froyo. Should be a lot of fun. Let's get to it. Now, before getting started, it's very important to mention that what you're about to see is not final hardware or software. It's not a representation of a device you're going to be able to get. So keep that in mind. It's an LG Panther development device, which you've seen many, many times at a lot of different tech blogs around the internet. So just keep that in mind. We're doing this just for fun. And the performance results you see here are not an accurate representation of what you'll be able to expect when you get a Windows Phone 7 device uh, coming up this fall. I should mention that this is running build 6414 of Windows Phone 7, the same build that we've shown you on the emulator, the same build that you can get right now on an emulator to run on your computer. So the software is going to look very familiar. That's why we wanted to do a comparison uh, between multiple devices, something you really can't do at home. So let's get to it. We're first going to talk about Internet Explorer Mobile in a more general fashion here before doing the comparison. So 
This is going to look very familiar with for, for those of you that have used the emulator. So we have these buttons along the bottom. We can manage multiple tabs. One of the unique parts of Windows Phone 7 is that you can actually load tabs while looking at other tabs. So I'm going to load a bunch of tabs. You're going to get a sense for how fast the browser is here. So I'm going to load pocketnow.com and I'm going to jump back into the tabbed interface here and I'm going to load another website. Let's launch uh, Amazon. Let's go back. We're just going to keep going. Fill up the six tabs. You can have a total of six tabs. Let's load the New York Times, NY Times. By the way, this on-screen keyboard is quite good, uh, but this video is not about the on-screen keyboard. Let's keep going. Let's load, say, you know, Gizmodo. And finally, let's finish up just on Google. Okay, so as promised, while we were loading all of these tabs, the other ones were loading in the background. So pocketnow.com, here it is. We can jump out. Amazon.com has finished loading. And let's move around on the page to get a general sense for performance. So we can flick scroll, obviously. We can pinch to zoom, which is buttery smooth. A mega huge improvement over the stock Internet Explorer uh, that came on Windows Mobile Legacy. We can move around on the screen. Of course, there is screen rotation. It's a little bit slow in this build, but again, this is not final software. So it's very likely that that will be faster uh, when you actually get a device. We can jump to other tabs very quickly. has very good tab management. We can also close them quite easily by just tapping on the X. So we can go to a particular website, mess around with the page. There is no Flash or HTML5 support right now. Microsoft says they may or may not have that in the future. We don't know the answer to that, but it does compromise a few web pages because not all of the, the elements get loaded. Uh, so what we can do here from the bottom is we can add this as a favorite. Very simple, clean Metro interface allows you to do that. We can jump down into here to the other settings and not many things you can change. You can delete history, allow cookies to load, and so on and so forth. Again, not many settings you can change at this point, but that may change. You can share page, you can find something on a page, or you can pin to the start page like you can do um, with a, an iPhone or even Android. So you can actually have the pocketnow.com tile on your start page if you go to that website a lot, or the Gizmodo tile, or the Engadget tile. Whatever website you visit on a regular basis, you can help to customize your start screen with internet favorites, which is always a nice feature. Performance-wise, it's meh, but hey, at that time period and the fact it's pre-release version, not terrible. Yeah, it's a it's a big improvement, and um, you can watch the full video in the show notes, but he goes on to test it with like a Nexus 1 and an iPhone of the time, and all the pages load pretty close to each other, so this is definitely... A big step up, and Microsoft is once again competitive uh, with a mobile web browser. Now, of course, it doesn't end up mattering because <laughs> <laughs> Windows Phone 7 doesn't really work out. Bombs horribly is actually the right term. But uh, it's kind of surprising if the iPhone browser didn't like outpace everybody just because so many sites at that time period were being built specifically to support the iPhone browser and kind of ignoring everybody else. Yeah, and you can even see it on that um on the first frame of that comparison when he's got an iPhone on one side and a Nexus 1 on the other and both of them are loading like the modern mobile Google mm -hmm. site and the Windows phone has like a a very old layout presumably because Google is checking the user agent and sees that it's Internet Explorer mobile so it gets the it gets the really old layout that can run on the very slow IE for mobile. Yep. So 
I'm going to read a segment of Engadget's review of Windows Phone 7 from October 20th of 2010, where they talk about the web browser a little bit. Engadget said, quote, For as much crap as Internet Explorer gets, less admittedly, now that the debacle of IE6 is finally starting to fade, we've got to say that web browsing on Windows Phone 7 is actually a really pleasant experience. Our understanding is that it's essentially using desktop class code, bits and pieces of Internet Explorer 7 and 8 tossed together, and massaged into something that'll look and work better on a smaller display with less horsepower. Loading the desktop version of Engadget was just a hair slower than on an iPhone 4, and just as importantly, rendering new parts of the page as you scroll is plenty fast. Not instantaneous, but fast enough so that you never find yourself consciously waiting for it to catch up. Zooming, which is accomplished with a pinch gesture, of course, is buttery smooth. Zooming in and out of a page, even when still loading up content, was super fast in our testing, and rendering happened in a split second, meaning hardly any time spent looking at jagged pixels. We're tremendously impressed with how well the browser works. It's certainly competitive with Windows Phone 7's contemporaries. Quote. So universally, everyone's saying, yes, it's not bad. Yep. Like, it does what it's supposed to do. And we don't hate it. Yeah, and that is such a change from <laughs> the last version. Pretty, pretty cool. So that was in 2010. On March 14th of 2011, Microsoft released Internet Explorer 9 on the desktop. This release is really, really interesting. The past few updates, when we talk about them, all of them were uh, underwhelming, to say the least. Even going as far back to like Internet Explorer 6, that was a pretty minor update. It really only got a version bump because it came out alongside Windows XP. And then IE7 was, it, it was kind of a big update, but it was still very far behind the competition. IE8 was pretty much the same story. IE9 is different. Microsoft is actually trying. There's a lot in this update. Possibly the most important change is that Internet Explorer 9 added graphics hardware acceleration using the Direct2D and DirectWrite APIs in Windows, which drastically improved performance for graphics, text, audio, and video. Internet Explorer 9 was the first Windows browser to ship this level of hardware acceleration, beating Firefox 4 by a few weeks and uh, arriving while Google was beta testing a similar feature in Chrome. So for a few weeks... IE9 was the only browser on Windows that did this. The developer tools were updated with a user agent switching tool, a network traffic inspector, and an improved JavaScript profiler. There was a feature called tracking protection, which worked a little bit like ad blockers on other web browsers and even supported third-party lists. So there was kind of a like content blocker, ad blocker thing built into Internet Explorer, but it wasn't enabled by default and it was like kind of hidden under menus. So I don't think a lot of people used it. There was much better support for web standards. Internet Explorer 9 supported some HTML5 features, including HTML5 video and audio. Uh, there were some new CSS3 features like media queries, new selectors, the web open font format, and more. Internet Explorer 9 finally supported SVGs. The JavaScript engine supported more uh, ECMA script 5 features and was also overhauled to split code execution across multiple CPU cores. So IE9 was much more uh, optimized for CPUs with multiple cores. 
When you downloaded files, they were now processed with SmartScreen as soon as they completed, which aimed to reduce malware downloads. A study cited by Microsoft, so, you know, whatever, said IE9 blocked, quote, 99% of socially engineered malware attacks, five times more than Firefox, and 33 times more than Google Chrome, quote. <laughs> okay. Okay. Sure, buddy. So there's a lot, a lot, a lot of technical changes, but also the interface was simplified. Uh, so the address bar and the search bars were merged into one text field, basically like Chrome started out as, and then Firefox eventually adopted. Uh, Microsoft called this the one box, which, okay, sure. I don't know if that's worse or better than Google calling it an Omnibox. Um, or Om Omnibar. I forget which one. It was I, one of those. I'm pretty sure it was Omnibar. Okay. Yeah. I No No one had a good name for this. We just all call it Address Bar now. <laughs> or still called Address Bar. Uh, yeah. That's always been... I. They. No one was ever going to convince anybody not to use that term. Like, it's. it happened. It's stuck. It's not going away. Tabs were displayed to the right of the one box and navigation controls instead of sitting on another layer or another toolbar. So the interface was a little bit more compressed than like Chrome or Firefox, but the result was that you kind of had less room for the tabs as compared to if they were on their own row, like in other browsers. Also notifications. So like if you're, you know, if a page was loading insecurely or you needed a plugin or something, those alerts now appeared silently at the top of the window instead of showing up as pop-up windows that interrupted whatever you were doing. There was also a new feature called pinned sites, which is actually really forward thinking. This is very similar to how progressive web apps work today. Basically, what you could do is you could take out any website and pin it to the taskbar. I think IE already lets you put websites in the start menu, but this was a different implementation. When a site was opened from the taskbar, the browser frame and navigation controls changed to be based on the site's icon and primary color. So they were a little bit more uh, identifiable from each other rather than just looking like another IE window you have open. Hovering over the icon would show quick access links defined by the website, which is very much like how uh, app shortcuts work on Android, where if you hold down an app icon, you see like a couple little options that the app can set. The site could also add overlays to its taskbar icons, such as indicators for new messages. All this only worked on Windows 7 or above because of its newer taskbar stuff, but a lot of this is, is very similar to features we're used to today with modern web apps and really only became standardized in the past couple of years. So mm -hmm. that's kind of cool. Yeah, they got a couple of things right, which certainly is, it's a nice change from what Internet Explorer had been doing for so many years. Yeah. Or rather not been doing as it were. Finally, IE9 was the first version of IE available as a 64-bit application, but it, it wasn't the default on anything. That was kind of like an experimental option you could use. Microsoft actually didn't let you set the 64-bit version as your default web browser. That's how <laughs> unsure of it they were. Nice. Uh, and it, it had a major downside in that it could only run plugins updated to run as 64-bit, which is something that I think happened with every other web browser in this transition. I remember like 
when Firefox also switched to 64-bit, there was people annoyed with it where you couldn't run like... I think Flash eventually got updated, but there was a bunch of plugins that did not get updated to run a 64-bit, which I, I think helped accelerate us moving away from plugins entirely. One big change with IE9 was also that it dropped support for Windows XP. Uh, Microsoft attributed that to its use of DirectWrite and Direct2D APIs that were added on uh, Windows Vista and Windows 7. So because those APIs were not in XP, they just decided not to bring IE9 to XP. Now, it's worth noting that when Firefox and Chrome added similar hardware acceleration features on Windows, they still supported Windows XP. They just fell back to software rendering on that OS. So uh, they continued to support Windows XP, which probably helped them with you know market share because as much as Microsoft wanted people to stop by this point, um, a lot of people were still using Windows XP. Uh, and would continue to do so for many years. <laughs> for for a decade. <laughs> <laughs> Microsoft said there were 2.3 million downloads of IE9 within the first 24 hours. I don't know if that's because they they were pushing it to anyone yet, but that is a lot of downloads. Yeah, that's, that feels a little bit like auto-download. Yeah, maybe. Ars Technica wrote a really good review of Internet Explorer 9 when it was new. This is a very long quote, but I really like it, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to read all of this. They said, quote, I suspect that IE9 will also struggle to win over the geek demographic. It's a very solid, effective browser, but the lack of power features, such as the richer tab handling, automatic session restoration, and extensive extension support, means that this community will likely be better served by something like Firefox, Though such people are themselves a minority, they are nonetheless influential. They spearheaded Firefox's adoption, acting as advocates for that browser, and are doing the same for Chrome, though in the latter case Google's substantial advertising budget is also a big help. In the Internet Explorer 5 days, those were the same people encouraging the abandonment of Netscape Navigator. As good as Internet Explorer 9 is, I don't think it's going to be enough to win them back. There are also lingering questions surrounding the question of what happens next. The new development process was successful and has built up a lot of momentum, but the company is still for the moment keeping quiet about the next move. If there will be no browser version for another two years, then in spite of all IE9's remarkable progress, the game is lost. There's already a good chance that Firefox 4 will leapfrog it in most regards when it is released in the next week or two. Its time at the top will be short-lived. The world of browser development is fast-paced. In an ideal world, the platform preview program will continue, aiming towards the release of, say, IE 9.5 or IE 10 in six to eight months from now, certainly no longer than a year. This will allow Redmond to keep pace with Mozilla and Google developers, and one might even say that it would herald the welcome start of the third browser war. Certainly, the company doesn't want to let the momentum flag. It knows it's onto a good thing with the previews. But as of right now, all that exists is a rumor and conjecture. Internet Explorer Vice President is giving a keynote presentation at next month's MIX conference in Las Vegas. And while this is expected to focus on IE9 for Windows Phone 7 due later this year, it's hoped that he will also give a look forward at the future of the desktop browser. Internet Explorer 9 is a triumph. Not perfect, but still a first-rate product. Microsoft really has built a better browser here. It's arguably the most modern browser on the market, for a few weeks at any rate. If you use Internet Explorer, and you're not stuck on Windows XP, you should switch. Even if you don't use Internet Explorer, you should try it out. 
Internet Explorer 6 and 7 are embarrassments that you should be ashamed to use. Internet Explorer 8 is acceptable, but no more than that. IE9 is the anti-IE6. It's an excellent browser that can be used with confidence and pride. Quote. Wow, there's there's actually a lot to unpack there, but the big the biggest one for sure is that anyone is using a browser with pride. <laughs> I, I I'm not sure I would have gone to that place. That's that's maybe a step too far, but this is a bit of an inside journalism thing, but every once in a while sometimes you find yourself kind of praising something a little too highly because you're hoping that it will incentivize the company to keep doing what it's doing or, right. you know, doing what you think it's doing. And I I feel a lot like that's what just happened there. But it doesn't change the fact that it is it is good compliments that are deserved in that sense. So, yeah, it is sort of like, your kid just showed you a drawing that looks absolutely terrible. But you're like, that's great. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> okay. I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say it that way. I, it's more of a, um, it's kind of like your cat correctly used the litter box for the first time. And you're like, <laughs> good kitty. Good kitty. You, you did the right thing. And we're really happy about it. We're going to encourage this. <laughs> In a line that obviously will get cut. I just have to say. Congratulate your animals for taking a properly. Anyway. And in this analogy, IE is the <laughs> <laughs> Yep. It's fitting in more than one way. But seriously, there is something to be said for the fact that Internet Explorer had finally caught up. And even, even if, yes, Firefox was going to leapfrog it, and inevitably, or at least eventually, as we all know, Chrome surely not only caught up and surpassed it, but obviously went far beyond and so on and so forth. Uh, the obvious reality of it is that it, even even with Firefox surpassing it, it wasn't going to surpass it by so much that it would make Internet Explorer suddenly the bad thing to use again. All, all that was going to happen was Firefox was just going to get better. And that's fine. Like, you, you don't have to use the absolute best browser. So, you know, Internet Explorer had finally reached a point where it was where it was valid to be using it again. Yeah, it is it is a huge change in how people were talking about IE. Going back to IE6, that was a pretty minor update. Even people at the time were like, yeah, this isn't like that big of a deal. Like it's it's fine. So this is the first time in like a decade that People are looking at Internet Explorer and going, wow, this is actually pretty good. This is what Microsoft should have been doing for the past few releases. But because they didn't, they were still slowly bleeding users. Honestly, I don't, I don't know if anything would have, would have stopped IE from continuing to lose people. The thing is, if you take first off that a lot of people obviously were keeping things like bookmarks and uh, they already had extensions and various other things all kind of either uh, stored up with Chrome or Firefox or whatever, like switching back to internet Explorer wasn't something that you just do on a whim and have everything immediately at hand. So right there out of the gate, a lot of people would be resistant to switching back. And to be fair, the reasons for switching back, like what are they? 
but you still yeah, now it's just it's just as good as the other thing exactly a little little bit better for a short time yeah and that doesn't really motivate people to switch back unless they have some sort of bad experience with one of the other browsers there is also obviously some people who are looking at like the history of internet explorer like that's the thing you need to be able to show that you can stay consistently good at it i mean we see the same thing in android phones all the time where people criticize companies very rightfully for not having good update procedures. It, some companies release their firmware updates like or like security updates at like every 3 months instead of every month and it should rightfully be criticized. And then of course there is that whole aspect of the security. Microsoft's security with Internet Explorer while maybe it will or maybe it did get better. Uh I think I think anyone who is used to security is kind of in that place of saying, when is the other shoe going to drop? Like, when is it going to be that all of the all of the security experts or all the hackers or, you know, when is the black market going to kick in? There will be people who start discovering things to exploit. And for how long is it going to take until Internet Explorer is actually good at dealing with this? How long until all those issues are patched and maybe the, you know, how long until the zero days stop popping out like every day because that stuff's going to happen. And none of that is a good story for early switching to to the new Internet Explorer. So, yeah, you, you've you got all three of these factors, depending on what you're looking at, what type of user you are. You have it, one of these reasons is probably a reason not to switch to Internet Explorer, at least not immediately. Yeah, security is 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 really interesting because it definitely did play into Internet Explorer's demise. You just talked about whenever there's a new zero day coming out, everyone is like, use a different thing. And eventually people pick up of like, maybe I should just use the other thing all the time. Yeah. Um, and like every web browser back then and now has these kind of security exploits. That's just what happens when you can run anyone's code by going to a web page. The difference is how quickly they can act on those security fixes and what they can do to prevent some of them from cropping up in the future. And at this point, Microsoft still isn't doing Chrome-style automatic updates. I don't know if Firefox really was either yet, um, I think that might have started with Firefox 4. I'm not sure. So part of that Ars Technica review, they were talking about how Microsoft really needed to keep the momentum going. And uh, to their credit, they actually did. In April of 2011, Microsoft released the first platform preview for Internet Explorer 10, keeping the same 8 to 12 week cycle for new preview builds. At the time, Microsoft was focusing on more hardware acceleration improvements and better web standard support. In September 2011, Microsoft released Windows Phone 7.5, which updated the web browser again to use the new Internet Explorer 9 engine. So I don't know if it was like still a hybrid thing, but it was using at least some IE9 code now. So that was, goes to show how much a new platform helps that they were able to roll out those changes. Not, not quickly, because it still took almost a, a year, but much quicker. Uh, again, 
you need to you need to establish a pattern of doing things regularly and quickly but i i could kind of see how maybe your first your first attempt or two might be a little bit slower but a year is still kind of pushing it yeah because ie9 came out in march and then that showed up on phones in september so okay not quite a year but a, a while so the last thing i want to talk about here is that two analytics firms, StatCounter and NetApplications, reported that Internet Explorer still continued to decline in popularity throughout 2011, despite the introduction of IE9. Both of their statistics were a little bit different. Again, like it, you never really have good numbers for this, but some of the numbers were estimating that Chrome had about 84% growth year over year in that same time period that IE was going down with most data showing Chrome very close to global Firefox usage. Some of the stats around this time said that Chrome uh, leapfrogged Firefox. So it, it was at least very close for sure. And Internet Explorer was still the most popular browser worldwide, but it was clear if this trend continued, that that wouldn't last for much longer. And um, sure enough, it didn't. <laughs> yeah, spoiler alert. Yeah. And a big, big shocker, we're not all using Internet Explorer right now. <laughs> yeah. It, it, I don't know. Maybe to someone who's listening to this right now, this might actually be a surprise. <laughs> Wait, I've been using Internet Explorer this whole time. <laughs> yeah. But Microsoft said it was better at catching malware. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Do, haven't you guys been seeing the, the messages popping up above the start menu all the time? Yeah. So, yeah, that's um, not great for Microsoft that... That year was a huge, huge, huge update for IE on both desktop and mobile, but it didn't really stop usage from continuing to slip. Um, it's probably a sign that you're not you're not going to win this one. <laughs> so um, that's where we're going to leave it for now. We we've got more Internet Explorer to talk about. Again, we we just finished 2011, so there's uh, still more. Cody, do you have anything you want to plug? Not at the moment, so uh, just come by and follow me on Mastodon, at least for right now. That is still at uh, codytombs at mstdn.io. Yes, go follow Cody. And uh, TechTales is on Twitter at TechTales Show and on Mastodon at TechTales at mas.to. The links for those are in the show notes along with the sources and there are links to support the show if you really like this. If if you really like me and Cody talking about Internet Explorer for several hours. <laughs> <laughs> There's also an official subreddit at r slash podcast, which is sort of like a comment section for each episode. And thanks for listening. And we'll be back in your podcast feed soon. Good night, everybody.